0: Welcome to Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner, I'm joined today at the King Power Stadium by James the Sharp End Sharp and we're going to be reflecting on uh, Leicester City's uh, quality win at Newcastle on Saturday, the third consecutive win under Claude Puel and looking ahead to Southampton, the trip down to the south coast on Wednesday. We've just had Claude Puel's uh, press conference to preview that game, so we'll be discussing that before I kick off with James. James, I'd just like to remind you all of our special beer offer, beer52.com. If you want to try eight beers from around the world and all you have to do is pay the postage and pack in, go over to beer52.com and use the tagline Leicester to register. Now, James, let's start, yeah. let's start with the uh, very, very freezing cold conditions in oh, the North East. But it was, the, cold, it? But it was a, a performance and a victory that uh, warmed the, uh, the hearts of the Leicester
1: fans up there, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, I mean it didn't start that way it started a bit shaky and we were commenting about how cold the start had been I suppose with just really simple defensive errors I mean they, their first goal was really simple just a, a through ball and then no one tracked the runner and they just scored but after that shaky first 10 minutes we thought Leicester to look good didn't we especially in especially in open play that that new Puel style of more possession more passing, more composure, that came through especially in open play and um, got their just rewards for it Um, but as always they did seem to slip off a little bit as set pieces which I'm sure will come to Uh, left themselves hanging on but then the most brilliant comedy goal from Bandaged Shinji Okazaki um, provided the
0: perfect finish Yeah I mean uh, the first half I thought the front four looked really good Even when they went behind oh. that You looked like Leicester City were the better team And they controlled the game the first half Didn't really kill Newcastle off though I think no. that is a, a concern at the moment Because they're playing some great attacking football And creating some chances But they need to be a little bit more clinical in the final third With their execution of the final pass Shot. Having said that, Rio Mares, great strike. Although the keeper, there's a few fingers pointed at him, and he probably should have done better. It was uh, good to see uh, Mares on the score sheet again. He's really starting to hit a bit of form. We'll discuss that in a bit. Yes, and uh, and a young Gray And that was the goal of the game for me. Damari Gray. The, the uh, Mares crossfield ball, a little cushion back by Michael Bright that,
1: that cushion pass. Yeah. Was just, if that'd been Mares with that cushion pass. Would be <laughs> eulogising about it down the pub for days. And it's Mark you... Brighton and people so, so don't give him the credit. No, they not He deserves some no, type, Even it? on, I mean, we've all been talking a lot recently, and what the national press have been talking a lot recently about his potential England call ups. I know you guys spoke about it in the pre- in the podcast last week. But no, he doesn't, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. That cushion pass was ma- was majestic into Gray's into Gray's path, and yeah, that was the move of the game. And it was it was funny because. About two minutes earlier, there had been a break in play and Puel, animated on the touchline, had been had, had given instructions to Simpson and Vardy and was really animated in, into what he was instructing them to do. That They scored that goal and Simpson immediately turned around and pointed at Puel as if to say, "Yeah, hey, you were right, boss, weren't you? And Puel kind of shrugged and went, well, what did you expect? So yeah, that was good and that's the kind of football that we're now enjoying to see from Puel, and
0: well, I don't know because you, you pointed out, and we, we had you on Pure Watch, yes, awesome at, at St James's Park, because the press position is right behind the away dugout at, at Newcastle, and uh, I don't know whether it was the cold conditions and he was just trying to keep himself warm, but he was incredibly animated. Was he was? Yeah,
1: no, I mean, we, we give him a, a, a bit of kind of light-hearted stick for being whispering Claude mm. of his softly spoken ways in, in his press conferences, but he was. He was the opposite on the touchline, and he showed a bit. It was interesting to see him close up because it showed that maybe he has behind the scenes, he really has got that ability to to get that to get, to get fired up if Leicester need it, if they needed a kick up the backside, he can do it. So there was a bit where Albrighton, for all the things he did well, he tried to get out of trouble on the near side by playing a, like a ridiculous back heel pass, and he gave the ball away. And Puel just turned to the just turned away in disgust and just. Shouted at the floor, at the dugout. Where well, we, we didn't listen. need
0: the interpreter that which uh, <laughs> chaperones him around, did we? Because no, he, 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 he knows he, a few he, four-letter words. He,
1: he, just, he, he was just furious at it, and he, his head exploded. So there's that. And then when they scored the winner, there's a double fist pump in the air and shouting into the skies, much more animated from Puel and good to see, really, because mm. a lot of people kind of they're, they like what they see on the pitch, but sometimes it can come across as being a little bit. A bit quiet and a bit you you'd suggest maybe uninspiring if Leicester needed that, but he showed on on the touchline and you'd imagine he would do that in the dressing room that he has got that ability to to get fired up.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and he's certainly got uh, City fired up mm-hmm. and the three wins from three now, only one defeat. I think it's 11 games, is it one defeat? And, that's to Manchester. and that was to Manchester City, uh, so there's no shame in that, but. Uh, uh, he's really got them uh, moving in the right direction there seems to be momentum about them at the moment
1: yeah definitely um, Very, yeah very much so the, the, the way they're playing um, some lovely that's uh, really lovely football and when he came in he, he talked about how he slowly wanted to make Leicester change, change their identity but also make them so they weren't really a one trick pony not that he used that phrase instead of just lumping it to the channels and letting Vardy chase it he said you can't you can't really win all games like that all the time. You need to have find different ways of beating different opponents. And we've seen that a lot. We've seen the way, a borer gets on the ball more, how they are playing it more composed. And they start. It's only it's still only seven games in, but we're starting to see more of a change in identity of Leicester's play. And for all the crit, all the criticism we got for Southampton for being really boring, not not had a whiff of that here
0: well the the front four for me are the most exciting thing I mean Riyad Mahrez and Damari Gray are interchanging quite a lot into that number 10 role behind Jamie Vardy and as we said Michael Brights playing out his skin at the moment if they could create a few more chances for Jamie Vardy he's going to become the first Leicester City uh, player to break the 50 goal barrier as well, and I'm sure that'll be sooner rather than later. So, going forwards, they look really good, but there's still a few question marks around defensively, certainly set pieces. I mean, the, the Newcastle League choirs Dwight, Dwight Gale's deflection off Farron Maguire that uh, level things up.
1: But they had, about, they had about four opportunities to clear that, that corner.
0: Was, that was it. It's from a set piece again. It seems to be an area that's still. Needs to be
1: worked upon. Yeah, big time. I mean, like I say, they had about three or four chances to head the ball clear, get it clear, and they just, could, they just couldn't do it. That's now nine goals from set pieces conceded. No team in the Premier League has conceded more than that from set plays. Um, so that is an area that they need to deal with. And it, it's surprising, really, because... You Leicester aren't really, Leicester in the past used to be criticised for being quite a small team, but they aren't anymore. You've got Ebora who's six foot three, Maguire's huge, Morgan's no no um, no small guy. uh no, Diddy. and big, tall. Big yeah, you've got like you've got teams, you've got players there that, that should be dominant from set plays. Whether it's a case of the, the way they're marking, whether it's just concentration, whether they're, they're now starting to worry themselves about set plays and it's kind of a mental thing I don't know but that is an area where Leicester Puel needs to work on they've improved in most areas under Puel this this area is is the one that really needs the focus now
0: well let's talk about one of the positives and the negative I suppose it's been the form of Riyad Mahrez we discussed it in a previous podcast uh, a little bit about his future but he really is coming back to sort of form uh, that we saw two, a couple of years ago—he he seems to be every time he gets on the board, he's a threat. Now I say it's a positive and a negative because it's a positive at the moment because he's contributing uh, massively to the team's performances. But could it be a negative in terms of the transfer window being around the corner?
1: Um, a little bit. It's it's one you have to balance, isn't it? Because you you want him to perform at that level, but then by doing so, makes it more likely that that teams will want, to, will want to come in for him. I think I think his relationship with Puel is important. The fact that they, they speak French with each other and Puel has shown that he, he makes Morris feel wanted. That is important. Um, I think, again, in January it will come down to the fact whether teams want to pay the money that Leicester want for them. Because Leicester is still in a position of strength with the contract he signed. Two and a half years left to go. Exactly, yeah. So there's no real need, there's no real power in Morris's hands with the contract situation Leicester have still got a strong position to say unless you pay us £50 million pounds, which is by far the going rate for a player of Morris's quality in January when usually prices are hiked up anyway then you're not having him
0: well £32 million was the uh, figure they turned down uh, by from Roma in the summer so that was well below their valuation and he keeps
1: playing like this I mean that, that was after a season where Mahrez hadn't been at his best Morris is now getting back to his best so why would they why would Leicester now start to think that £50 million is going to be acceptable of course, it's not going to be is it? It's not. No
0: absolutely not um, Claude Puel has just said in the press conference that uh, it's important the club keep their best players and certainly Mahrez is one of their best. That's I. Um, I. I. I think the way City have approached transfer windows before and and approached these uh, these subjects before. They're they're pretty strong willed in terms of what they're doing. They're not going to be uh, pushed around by player agent or anybody else. So um, unless somebody comes in with really big money. I can imagine Marez will have to remain uh, at S- at City in the second half of the season as well, which I think would be the right thing for him to do as well, give him, give him the, the full season and see what happens next summer when
1: he's only got two years left in his contract. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I know for all the noises that came out over the summer with quotes attributed to Riyadh and his the statement he released, and, all, and I know he's spoken to the, the Daily Mail and given an interview there where he still talks about his ambition. But... When you watch, Morris just seems like a bloke that just loves playing football. And he does and he does love Leicester. He does love the club because Leicester are the ones that took a chance on him. So he has got a lot of respect for the club, a lot of respect for his teammates, a lot of love for his teammates. Yes, he wants to reach the top, but if he does stay through January, I, I don't really think that Morris is going to be too too disappointed too fussed
0: now let's look ahead to um, Southampton we've just had the press conference that we just mentioned team news James is there any team news
1: um, uh, a little bit I mean it's not really team news for Saturday, for Wednesday um, Robert Hooth and Matty James are back in training uh, they're now back out on the pitch play, training with the squad which they weren't doing Hooth out with an ankle stroke foot injury and Matty James with an Achilles problem Um great that they're back on the field but as Puel said they'll need a lot of training sessions they'll need a lot of either friendlies or development squad games before they're ready um, so yeah that that's that's good that's good news but it's um, they're not going to be anywhere near fit to play against Lambton Shinji is, is available after having his nine stitches in his head after being kicked in the face at Newcastle um, what a hero he is for that um, yeah so he's back and available so yeah Sorry.
0: Great. Um, Robert Hoof's got to be a, a, a concern because he's been out all season, had yeah. surgery in the summer. He's in the last year of his contract as well. So we really
1: need to see Hooth uh, out on the pitch sooner rather than later, don't we? Yeah, I think mean, that's one that we're going to have to keep look, keep an eye on, I think. Because, like you say, he's, this has been long-term injury, stroke injuries, whether it's the same one or a recurrence of another one. Been out for a long time, out contract at the end of the season, like you say. I think the, the the second half of the season is going to be really important for him to see whether Leicester offer him a new contract. Because if he doesn't play for the whole of the season and he's not looking at a position where he's, he's going to have... that's going to mean, he, if he does not play for the whole season, that means he's then going to come back in pre-season and regain his match fitness. Then you're looking into the start of the following season. He's already 32, 33. And then you're looking as to how long he's got left. So I think it's quite an... Quite a crucial six months Coming up for, for Robert Hoof Yeah
0: but let's hopefully uh, We'll see the big German out on Yeah I hope so he's been
1: so important To Leicester over the years
0: And now let's talk about The return of Claude To St Mary's um, We just asked him about his, uh, his his time there And the memories he's got from It was only one year But they packed quite a bit in Didn't they in that one season um, Finishing 8th Reaching the League Cup final Losing to Man United At Wembley Taking on Inter Milan In the Europa League Really surprised that they sacked him
1: Yes, especially when, especially when the noises for why he got sacked were his negative brand of football, and then we've seen him come here and play some of the most attacking football we've seen at this club, even, even potentially ahead of when Ranieri was here, which is surprising. I mean, Leicester Leicester fans would even now would snap your hands off for a, a League Cup final and, eight, and an eighth place finish. We tried to get out of him about his time at Southampton. With quite a few questions, he's not. He doesn't want to get him. He doesn't want to really talk about No, that it's much, in the past. Thing. He? You know, what he's
0: focused on: Leicester City and going to Saint Mary's and getting it, another win. Yeah, but it must be. It must. But it must rankle with him. Of course, of course it must. What else? do they want?
1: What else? Eighth place in a League it, Cup final.
0: Well, I think the only problem for him was that uh, the previous season Ronald Koeman raised the bar, uh, and he only picked up 17 points more. And qualified for the Europa League. But then,
1: Virgil, but then your best central defender in Virgil van Dijk gets injured. Um, you sell your best players and then your strikers get injured. Charlie Austin was injured, wasn't he? Yeah. And, and what, else do you, what else do you expect? I mean, exactly. I mean, you mentioned it in your verdict today. Maybe you, maybe you didn't have the players to play that attacking Well, you, you know,
0: you cut your cloth accordingly to what the players you've got. And if you've got defensive-minded players... Uh, in your squad and you, you haven't got the attacking talent that he's got to dispose of at Leicester City then you play a defensive system you play to the strengths of the squad that you uh, that you have so uh, I, mean, I suppose you know, it's just that, that unreasonable level of expectation that can really be a problem for clubs the size of Southampton
1: Yeah, I think so and it'll be interesting to see what reaction he gets from the Southampton fans because you wouldn't say they're pulling up trees under the new bloke no, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know to be careful what you wish for and everything. So it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see whether they give him a good, good response and good reaction when he come, when he comes back. I hope they do because from our dealings with him over the past few months, he seems seems like a decent guy, decent bloke and. He's doing a great job
0: here. Yeah, he said the one concern is that he, he makes sure he walks into the right dressing room. He's never been in the away dressing room at St Mary's day. like when Danny
1: Simpson came back with um, Chelsea and one of the stewards on the door said, um, first door on the left, Danny. Said, he walk, he walk past? So yeah, hopefully he gets the right dressing room and, and we'll see from there. Brilliant. Well, um,
0: it's, it's been great form and great mm-hmm. to watch the last few weeks. We, we've entered a really busy period of the, the season now with uh, midweek games coming thick and fast as well as the weekend ones at every three Two to three days we yeah, got going Ten go, games
1: in 35 days, isn't Which it? is a
0: hell of a, a, a big schedule. So we're going to see some different players out there. Yeah. And uh, one that came off the bench at Newcastle that we haven't seen for ages, but it's caught the eye, Leo Ulloa.
1: Yes, I know. Um, our colleague, Jordan Blackwell, basically described him as Vincente Abora's player, liaison an officer <laughs> uh, last week. Uh, but no, it's good to see him there. also, I thought he did pretty well, actually. Yeah. Um, I thought he held the ball up, held the ball up well. And Ijero on the bench and coming off the bench. Slomani not in the squad at all now. Yeah. For the past two games, uh, his future is going to be interesting too. It in is, in especially when you look at you look at Ugea and Slomani, and yeah, they're not exactly the same player. But as Puel said before, they've got six strikers in the squad. It's it looks like you'd be either you'd want one of Ijero or Slamani, You wouldn't want both, not with the way Leicester play. It's interesting to see what happens
0: in January yeah absolutely well there's plenty of stories coming out of today's press yeah. conference as we're previewing uh, the trip to St Mary's on Wednesday night hopefully this uh, wintry weather will have uh, disappeared by the time we make that long trek having done the Newcastle one on Saturday yeah. um, uh, by the way if anybody's interested uh, there was no issues with training they've got an undersaw heated pitch at Beaver Drive Save us here at the King Power Stadium. So go over to beer52.com to get your free beer. Go to the Mercury website and our Facebook page for all the stories coming out of this press conference. And we'll see you next time.